0: What is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner, and I am stoked to share that today's guest is right here. Well, not actually here, but over Skype uh, with us right now, the awesome Evan McCarthy. It's Evan M. You know who it is. Evan, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, man. Just hanging out in New Orleans, monitoring stuff from down here, down south. Uh, doing well, doing very well. Um, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. You're monitoring from, from Blazers South, is what I'm going to call New Orleans, even though it doesn't make any sense at all.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, when I wear Blazer gears, it's funny. So at work, on Twitter, our, our Blazer community, we have the joking Blazers and six. And, like, I've said it so much at work that, like, when I wear Blazers gear in the office, I'll walk by and just hear someone be like, Blazers and six. And I'm like, God damn right. Blazers and six. <laughs> and they have, like, no, they and they have no idea what it is that even means like no idea what that means it's like say hey it's true Blazers and six
0: I love it they don't need to know it's fine uh -hmm. that's rad I'm glad you're repping it down there I mean it's I mean it's a lot it's honestly it's so much easier uh to be a Blazers fan in Portland as you know so you're doing the heavy lifting in a different not only a different city but a different city with an NBA team so uh, yeah yeah
1: I wish they cared more but yeah I mean we want one thing gets up and playing it'll be different but yeah
0: I was gonna say, like, once he's back, it's. I mean, it's tough. You get like the most talented college player in a generation. He's just like out the first part of mm-hmm. the year. Like, that's that'd be tough for any team to deal with. For um, sure. All right, but we are here to talk about the Blazers. Obviously, like the the thing we have to talk about is Rodney Hood. uh last game against the Lakers. He he snapped his Achilles. He's out for the year. It's it's really tough. I wanted to spit a couple stats and then just get your opinion. He was he was he was doing he was playing the best basketball of his career, arguably career best in effective field goal percentage, uh, career best in field goal percentage. It was over fifty percent from the field. Career best in three point percentage, also right around fifty percent. Also averaging three and a half rebounds, also a career best, uh, and that was in thirty minutes a game. Uh, Evan, just just to say like when that happened, what were your kind of initial thoughts seeing Rodney Hood go down?
1: Yeah, so it was really interesting. On Friday night was my uh, company's holiday party. So I was tied up in that and wasn't able to watch the first part of the game. And then I, it ended around 10 o'clock New Orleans time. And then I went to go meet a lady friend at a bar and uh i get to the bar and as i'm waiting for her i opened up twitter and i saw just one tweet that said oh no not rodney too and that's all i needed to read like i didn't read anything else i'm like oh god like he something he's out for the year something really bad happened uh later came to find out that that's exactly what had happened he'd popped his achilles and uh can be done for the year and like i said it's just devastating for for a guy that took a pay cut but reportedly took a pay cut to stay here in Portland um, because he felt that, you know, he wanted to be a part of this organization that gave him kind of a second lease on life. And when it comes to basketball and uh, playing out of his mind, as far as being and some nights, the third, some nights, the second option that we needed being the, the guy, you know, last year at the end of last year uh, in, in, in the summer, their decisions were made to not re-sign Aminu and we traded Harkless because we needed, a guy kind of like a PJ Tucker guy. That's someone that you stick in the corner for when the guards pass you the ball, you can knock down that corner three. And he was that guy. And on top of just doing that was able actually to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket and create his own shot. And then just for this to happen is I I just feel so bad for him. Like when when these injuries happen, like for fans, like we're fans and this is entertainment, but like, you know, you feel, I feel for always feel for him and his family because that's, that's the brutal, the brutal part of it.
0: It really is. And I mean, there have been there's been some reporting about how tough it was for him uh, having to basically live at a hotel with his family. And then he when he was traded to Portland, moved into uh, like a rented space by himself without his family, without his wife and and young kids uh, and how tough that was. But how much he redoubled his focus on basketball. And that's been so obvious. He was so critical for the Blazers during the playoffs last year. And like you said, it wasn't just his shooting. It was his work off the dribble. It was his work being able to create when the Blazers needed someone else to create. So I think that that's, it's really smart. You bring that up because I don't know how the Blazers are going to replace that. We are going to get to that in a little bit, but I wanted to, I mean, not to look backwards too much, but I want to admit something. I want to admit something on the pod. When Mm -hmm. this first happened, I was on the coast And my internet wasn't great and I was having a tough time following the game. And so I was basically getting ready to go to bed and I was like, you know, doing that thing when you kind of scroll through Twitter to like get a sense Mm -hmm. of like what happened during the game. It's like, okay, Blazers lost going backwards. And then I saw a thing about the injury. My first reaction was that we got reporting the game before that his Achilles, the same one that he ruptured, was sore And that he played anyway. So my first response was to fire off a couple of hot takes. And I basically said, you know, thanks Blazers, doctors and trainers, because he said his Achilles was sore and now he's ruptured his Achilles. Did that did did that sentiment resonate with you at all? Is that a thought that maybe went through your head? And, And by the way, I went back and ended up deleting those tweets because I'm a coward. Uh, but like, is, does that sentiment, like, look, they let this guy play on a sore Achilles. Like, why did they do that? Did that run through your head at all when that happened?
1: Yeah, it does. And uh, I had very strong feelings about the Kevin Durant coming back last year during the finals, after he injured his leg 30 days earlier in the playoffs. And we all thought that at first we all thought it was key, his Achilles and like, no, 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 they just injured his leg. And then they brought him back and he popped his Achilles. Like we all like, thought was gonna happen. So like, I like I thought back to that and and at that time I was like, why would the organization do that to him? Um so I, I did have thoughts about this. Obviously you can't we can't put ourselves in the minds of the doctors and all that. They obviously don't want these players to get hurt. My thing is and and with Kevin Durant it should have happened and maybe in Rodney Hood's case, I mean the circumstances were a little different. But I think that players need to have someone whether it be an agent or manager who steps in on their behalf and just says, no, like with Kevin Durant last year, the team said, okay, you're good. The doctor said you're good. If you give the player, the green light, every single one of them are wired to play and they're just going to play like no matter what. And you need a voice of reason outside to step in and be like, no, he's not playing like we need to figure out what's wrong with him or he's not feeling it. Cause again, the player will never do that ever. Um, And I I wish that more guys had stuff like that because I'm a player, I'm a player pro player in every scenario where like, I don't blame guys for sitting out like the whole Kauai rest load management. Like you see these type of injuries and like, I hope people are starting to get it. Like, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. He's being smart about it. Um, Again, Rodney's it's tough. It was the, the, the game before. And yeah, I read those reports that he, I don't know if he took himself out of the game, but he came out and was like, yeah, my Achilles is sore. Um, just really, really unfortunate. Um, yeah, really unfortunate. It,
0: it is unfortunate. And this is where, like, I, I I'm going to read a couple comments and questions we got on Twitter and I'm going to, I'm going to throw something else out there too, which is, you know, first of all, <clears throat> I hope that the reporters who cover this team, uh, I understand there's a delicate balance in the team that you cover as an NBA reporter that you don't want to, burn your bridges with that team. I I understand that and so it's easy for me to fire off a hot take on Twitter when my livelihood doesn't depend on someone getting upset with me and cutting off my access or what have you. But I sincerely hope that whatever decision making led to Rodney Hood playing against the Lakers when he said his Achilles was sore, I hope that gets looked at. That's important. I want to know what did the trainers and doctors, what types of protocols did they go through? Because if there's something that they could have done differently or a way in which they manage this that could be managed better, I want to know what that is as a fan to ensure that the players that come next are healthy. This isn't about laying blame at someone's feet. This is about making sure that whatever they're doing, they're making sure their players are are super healthy, and I will say I am not a doctor. Okay, I'm not a medical professional, but it is my understanding that uh, something as simple as an ultrasound could detect a, a partial small tear in your Achilles if you received a patient and said, oh, my, my Achilles is super sore. If you have access to an ultrasound, which those teams definitely do, and also MRIs because they can afford to do that and it doesn't matter. If that is what was bothering him, and I don't know if it was, but they, they could have done those diagnostic tests to make sure that there wasn't something structurally wrong. Now, maybe they did do that. It's possible, which is why I want to see the reporting about the decision making and what kinds of things went into, you know, verifying or or confirming his complaint about his sore Achilles. That's important to me as a fan. A couple of questions or comments about this from Twitter, uh, uh, kind of on that point from 20,000thorns at 20000 thorns. Stotts remarked that Hood, quote, cleared the protocols. I would hope the organization is asking themselves if those are the same protocols that Wesley Matthews cleared in 2015. It's a legitimate and non judgmental post hoc analysis that is warranted. And I would say that that is a sentiment that I, that I also share. Um, so thanks to 20,000 Thorns. Uh, we also got a comment from Lonnie St. John at Lonnie St. John. I would encourage everyone who's looking to blame someone to watch the replay hood landed and quickly pushed off. The video shows that his Achilles was stretched a lot. Even a healthy non tight Achilles would be pushed to the limit. And Evan, can I ask, uh, did you happen to see the play uh, a replay of, of when hood got injured against the Lakers?
1: No, no, I, uh, that stuff it's, I know some of it can be tough to watch, especially with the Achilles. Cause you can kind of see it happening. Um, You know, it's not like a broken bone. It's not like a nerd situation when he broke his leg where like I I saw it live and I'm like, I will never watch that clip again. Um, But no, I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had the chance to see it. I chose not to look and chose not
0: to see it. I'm with you. This is one of the first times that I have actively not, I, I'm usually just whatever. I'm curious to see it just so I, just because I don't know why, but this time is you want
1: really, to be informed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, but I, I'm with you. I chose not to look at it a, a couple more quick comments and so we can, we can move on to another angle on this, but, um, we have, uh, from Ian Charles Rose at Ian Charles 33, uh, he commented, there's no way to determine how bad an injury. It is before it happens. It's kind of word of mouth in the player. I responded to him. About my my piece about well like if it's something that can be picked up on an ultrasound or MRI then they could catch it and he responded you know that's only if it's severe enough to show if it's just sore you're probably not going to see anything Achilles are super sensitive especially for basketball players and I just want to say that it, that is totally uh, fair um, and, and again uh-huh. we do not know which is why I want to see that reporting uh, a couple more comments from Brenda Nuckton at Opera Brenda SLP uh, not only is predicting injury pretty complicated but the players play through pain all the time. And that's a really good point. So judging what pain is a potential catastrophic injury in the making of what is day-to-day NBA life is pretty tricky. Uh, yeah, really good point, Brenda, which is why, again, would really like to know what kinds of things the team went through when they knew that his Achilles was sore. And the last one kind of along the same lines from a film by Quentin Tarantino at GLS, uh, GL Swenson. Is there honestly a way to prevent it? He hadn't injured his Achilles. It was just sore. Evan Turner had Achilles issues last season and just kept randomly sitting out games. Uh, It's a huge and not well understood ligament. It can feel totally fine and then snap out of the blue. And that's true. The Achilles Mm -hmm. is something that even if you're perfectly healthy, it can go without any warning. So um, I would, I mean, do you agree that if the team is not already doing it, that it would be useful for the team to just, kind of double check the types of protocols they went through in this situation to make sure that if something like this happens again, that they're approaching it with the, with the best possible science. Would you agree with that take? Yeah,
1: I do think putting the onus on the team and, and having them kind of check the processes of what's happening in that type of situation would be beneficial. I also think it'd be nice and and we get this way and we get it with like the hot take media, which is bullshit, about like, again, going back to quiet Leonard and the load management type stuff where like, yeah. Okay. Haha. Ha, we're all fans sitting on the sidelines, laughing at these guys or making fun of them or criticizing them for sitting out. But then we see injuries like this. And like, I hope we can help change the stigma of like, if a player says he's not feeling right and wants to sit out, that's fine. Um, you know, cause if, and like you said, Achilles can pop at any time, even if it's not so or whatever, but like, you know, would it have hurt if Rodney Hood was like, Hey, I'm just, I want to set out a game or two. I don't, you know, I I wouldn't, I personally would not fault. I would never fault the players for, for doing that.
0: Right. And and you know, what's the most frustrating part about the, you know, as you said at the hot take media, who gives players a hard time for managing their, their workload. It's a lot of this is coming from former NBA players, Right. It's coming from people who've played in the league in the past. They're like, well, back in my day, you know, yeah. Isaiah Thomas, you know, and Larry Bird. It's like, look at those. Those dudes careers were cut short. Does anyone remember that Michael Jordan took like a year and a half off from basketball altogether? Is that not no load management? I mean, does Larry Bird and his like his back and I'm and, and thinking of like Kevin McHale had like a broken foot and they told him in the eighties are like, look, dude, if you keep playing on this, it's going to cause a permanent disability. And lo and behold, it did. Mm -hmm. And these are the same players making fun of people for not wanting to have a, you know, career altering and life altering injury. And that's really the thing, isn't it? It's like, this isn't even just about, how they manage the rest of their career. This is about being able to participate in their lives in the way in which they want to when they're 35, 45, 55, 65 and beyond.
1: So hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I am with you. I, I I think that the, I, I do think though, luckily the shift towards understanding that science, I think that we're, we're getting there. Um, we're not all the way there yet. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about how this injury, uh, affects the team and who else might be able to step up in his absence. Uh, Let me, let me throw in a a couple more. We, we, we got a a pretty robust response from Twitter. Obviously it was in the wake of the Rodney hood entry. So uh, from Jared H at nervous Orca says, I have a question. Why? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I, (laughs) I think that we're all feeling a little bit like that. Um, and another mm-hmm. one from Chrissy at djin underscore and underscore juice. Uh, it sucks so much, but hood has always been a home. Hood always has a home in the hearts of Blazers fans. Dude became a Blazer hero when he iced that fourth overtime. Uh, he'll probably pick up the player option with hard work, through rehab, and a little luck. We'll see him on the court sometime next season. So maybe that's a good, like, you know, before we move on to what they're going to do the rest of this season. Uh, I mean, it, it's also my sense that he will pick up the player option. He probably will be here next year because of this injury when maybe that was put into question before. Do you have any thoughts about that? Like, I mean, he's a relatively young dude. I mean, he's still in his twenties. Uh, I'm hopefully can come back just as strong as ever. Are you How are you feeling about his his future in Portland?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it would make sense. it like, he was playing well, but the sample size for this year, I think for another team to give a look at him and be like, oh, yeah, let's offer him a three-year deal. Um, it's, that's probably not super realistic. Um, what, how much, what is the player option for next year? How much is it, you know, off the top of your head or, you uh, know, right in front damn of? it, Evan, you know, is it what? like eight, is it like <laughs> eight or something like that.
0: Uh, um, what If you yeah, keep talking and stall, I can, I can look it up really quick.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, from all accounts, it sounds like he obviously loves it in Portland going back to one of your previous points. And with Kevin Durant, like, you know, he left golden state after that debacle and there were, there was speculation about if he blamed the team doctor. So it'd be the, the one wrinkle in it would be, how does he feel about getting health advice from these doctors? If this just happened to him, right? Like, I don't know. I have no idea what his mindset is when it comes to that. Um, so
0: right, and and by the way, Rodney Hood, uh, the option next year is only six million. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't count that, well, if you do count this season, he's only made. And I say only in in quotes because these are NBA players. But he's only made sixteen million dollars in his entire career. Oh wow! And then he has the six million dollar option for next year. Um, and you know, he's, he's 27 at this point. So mm-hmm. he hasn't, he's not one of those players who signed a massive contract and can just cash out. So yeah for kind of a long-term, you know, generational wealth standpoint, he still, ha- and obviously he wants to play for the sake of it, but he still has a lot to prove there. So yeah, just mm-hmm. that 6 million next year. I expect that to be picked up at this point, but let's talk about, you know, Rodney Hood out, out for the year. Uh, who else can step up in his absence? And I think that this question from Chris McKee, shout out to Chris at Chris McKee TV. Chris was uh, was my friend in middle and high school, uh, and I appreciate him following me on Twitter now as he's a, a news reporter uh, down in New Mexico. But Chris asks, nice. yeah, he's doing good stuff. Who has a chance to step up their game and fill the notably big void that Hood leaves with his injury? And he offers Anthony Simons. Evan, what do you think about Chris's question? Um Yeah,
1: so I was thinking about who would fill in for the starting lineup. I know we've had success this year running the three-guard lineup with Anthony Simons in certain spots. I'm not sure if that's sustainable over extended minutes in games. I don't know if you can start Anthony Simons in that spot. In certain situations, I think defensively it's just going to be tough. Even though Anthony Simons has no slouch on defense, he's actually a pretty decent defender. Um, I think I was thinking about, well, it's like, do you start Nas Nasir Little? But then it's like, if you start Nas and that means either Hazonia or Tolliver's got to come off the bench and take and give uh, Carmelo a breather. And uh, those two guys aren't good. So that's scary. (laughs) So then, and then I thought, well, okay, fine. Then just keep bringing Nas off the bench. And then, I mean, the other obvious answer is Kent Bazemore. But I think Terry likes bringing him off the bench too. So, you know, maybe I, I, it's tough. It it does put us in a tough spot. I could, I could see him starting Kent Bazemore. Me, um, which is I'll oh, go for it.
0: No, I mean, like, I think that's totally fair. And Stotts is one of the more creative coaches when it comes to filling a void in his starting lineup, because he doesn't like to mess with the bench rotation. So he'll just kind of randomly throw in someone who like, hasn't been getting any minutes at all, rather mm-hmm. than mess with the bench rotation, which is just something that's been a hallmark of him as a coach. But I mean, I want to think about this question from, who starts maybe less important than who is going to pick up the majority of those minutes. And when you think about, I wish I had that chart that shows when players are in the game at certain times through the first, second, third and fourth quarters, but who's going to take the majority of those minutes and how the, how the deck is going to be reshuffled. I mean, if you were to pick one or two players between Nas little, Anthony Simons, Kent Bazemore, and then, God forbid, Anthony Tolliver or Mario Hazonia. Are there one or two players that you think are going to get like a a notable bump in minutes to make up for that 30 minutes a game that Rodney Hood's going to be leaving on the table?
1: Yeah, so looking at it now, Anthony already plays 21. So, I mean, giving him eight more minutes, eight to nine more minutes a game, could make sense. And then spreading out the rest of it. Um, like I said, Simon's, the three guard lineup has worked in certain spots against certain lineups. Um, so I think there, I think Nas, the problem with Nas is that he's not a very good three point shooter at this point in his career, obviously as a rookie, he still needs to get better at that, the catch and shoot three, um, which Roddy Hood obviously was fantastic at this year. Uh, Ken Bazemore is a pretty good catch and shoot three, but the, the issue I have with Ken Baysmore is, Sometimes he dribble like he, he, in my mind, is a dude that when he gets the ball in his hand, he either needs to pass or shoot within like one second because when he puts the ball on the floor, he gets a little wily. Um, but those would be the three guys. Uh, I don't see, I mean, maybe he gives Gary Trent Jr. a little bit more minutes, but I, you know, it just depends on what the team's goals are going to be. Like, is this team still going to fight for an eight seed or do, you know, Dame and CJ, Dame's playing 38, 39 minutes a game, CJ's at 36 they don't need to be playing that much. Like maybe you dial their minutes back and give Simon's more minutes, give Nas more minutes, and then just, you know, play it out like not tanking, but just play like ride with that.
0: I find it really tough to believe that the blazers are going to take their foot off the gas. Even if I think that maybe this season looks more, well, more in
1: like- the mellow bump would suggest that they wouldn't right? Cause he's mellow has really to give this a bump and it's like, re-energize the team and the fans. So, yeah, I I mean, I think that's a good point.
0: No, he really has. But it's it's tough because you think about all roads in my mind when I think about the Blazers and what they're going to do this year and in the coming years, all roads lead through maximizing Damian Lillard's prime. He's twenty nine. So he only has what three, four, maybe five more years. If you're lucky, of him playing at the like the tippy top of his game, and even though he's locked in for a long time and he's you know contractually obligated, I do, I don't see the Blazers uh, punting on this season. Even if it looks more and more like that would not be the worst choice in the world, but working against that is the fact that the bottom of the West, I mean, has like the like the six, seven, eight, nine, ten seed. Has not been as good as I thought it would be, and I like I, like I, I guess I would think that if the Blazers were you know four games out of five hundred, if you'd asked me before the season, okay, that's where they're going to be on December eight, I'd be like, well, they're they're already out of it, but that's just not the case. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, a little bit on Simons really quick. I mean, he is he's averaging ten points a game in twenty minutes. Uh, it's been kind of a tale of two seasons. His first 10 games, he was 50% from the field, 40% from three, but in the last 13 games, he's been 35% from the field and 28% from three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I they're going to need more minutes from him. Kent Bazemore, as you said, I mean, it's weird. I mean, not to just be looking around a basketball reference, but that's exactly what I'm doing. Even though he's shooting 34% from deep, he's shooting only 34% from the field, which means yeah. he's not shooting well from two. That's terrible. They can't rely on Tolliver. They can't rely on his Nasir little, you know, is a, is a 19 year old rookie. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know, it's man. Tough, it, man. It's, tough. it's tough. So, so with that, knowing that their current roster, it's, it's tough. What do you think about a trade? I mean, so let's say that the Blazers are thinking from a maximized Dames prime standpoint and they're not looking to punt the season. Let's say the Blazers are looking to bolster their lineup even more. Um, We did get a question from from Hoodie Rich at the official M.A.B who asked, uh, who do you think the Blazers might target at the trade deadline? Now, his question said, other than Kevin Love, but I do want to entertain that Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported a couple days ago that the Cleveland Cavaliers are now ready to listen to offers for Kevin Love, who is 31, who has three years and $90 million left on his contract, who is getting 16 points a game, 10 boards, shooting 37% from deep on six threes. It's not like the Blazers couldn't use Kevin Love. What do you think about that? Uh, I
1: have been firm from the jump, that no Kevin, no trade for Kevin love, because what you said, like the the numbers look great and people always, they always, uh, quote them to me, which is awesome. But then I'm always like, just like 31. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, but you also included the most important part, which is that he's 31. He makes a lot of money the next three years and he's injury prone with like nagging weird injuries all the time. Um, He would, I mean, in in a perfect world, if salaries didn't matter, he would be a good fit for the Blazers. Um, I just, I don't know. In order to get him, what you're going to have to give up is salary. So Whiteside or Kent Bazemore because they're expiring contracts and Cleveland's not going to want to take anything, anything more than what doesn't expire this year. So you got either one of those two. You trade, if you train this on Whiteside, then your only real true center on the team is Scal the BCA. Cause Kevin love in one tweet, someone sent me like play Kevin love at the five. I'm like, are you insane? Like, no, he's not going to play the five for us. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't Kevin love. I think a, a, a realistic trade that I would like them to do is so we're going to have two guys, Kent Baysmore and Slon Whiteside. two contracts are coming off the books if we don't move them this year, we know. And so the blazers are going to have, the blazers are theoretically going to have cap space this next summer. If, if they were to make a trade and trade those guys, I would want the blazers to look at players who have a few years left on their deal. That aren't Kevin love that are younger that even if they don't come in and have a huge impact this year, uh, maybe do the next few years, because as we know, as blazer fans, free agents don't sign in Portland. So the way you get them is you got to trade for them when they've got time left on their contract so we can keep them. Cause my biggest fear is 2016 comes. We don't make any trades. Uh, And then Bullshay has a panic attack like he does in 2016, and then just says, I can't sign anyone. I'll just overpay Whiteside and Baysmore to stay here. Like, that's what I'm fear. That's what I fear.
0: Well, here's, I want to sneak in to say the free agent class in this upcoming year is not looking super robust and like lots of players who were expected to maybe be on the market have signed extensions that means that Mm -hmm. teams like you just said teams are going to be overpaying mediocre players in this free agent class and so you're right that if the blazers are going to get better it's going to be via trade so i mean if not kevin love i mean and this is a name that's come up a ton but what about Aaron Gordon with the magic he's 24 not having his best season this year Uh, a couple years ago was averaging about 18 points and eight boards and shooting uh, around 35% from deep Uh, numbers have come down a bit but he's only 24 would that be more kind of in your pocket I mean I don't see. I don't see why the magic would do that same deal. Cause I do think you could get Kevin love, like you said, for white side and in parts. I don't know if you could get Aaron Gordon for the same, but would mm-hmm. that be somebody who you'd be more interested in just because of the potential kind of long-term fit there?
1: Yeah. I like the idea of long-term does he play the, can he play the three or does he strictly play the four?
0: He can play the three. Uh, he actually, won if, I, if you're on basketball I'll reference, one of his seasons, it says that he played mostly at small forward. And actually, they have a, a pretty cool thing if you scroll, and I'm I'm probably going to overshoot it. But it, it shows position estimate. So uh, in 2016-17, he played about 65% of his minutes at small forward. Uh, this year, only 22% of his minutes at small forward. So, yeah, he can. That is something he can do.
1: Yeah, because I mean, one thing, the other thing that we've noticed this year is even though it's a small sample size, as long as Nurk is a starting center, Zach Collins, and that's the other reason I don't want to trade for Kevin Love and have him for the next three years, because Zach Collins is going to be the starting forward. He looked really good with the small sample size to start the year. I thought he looked really good, and he's you know so young. So if Aaron Gordon come in and play the three, that's great. Otherwise, you're bringing him in, and then, what, Zach's going to come off the bench. And I don't know if that's the long-term goal they want for Zach for now. Um, so, yeah, Aaron Gordon, I, you know, could make sense.
0: What about, like, and I've – I mean, these are all names that have come up Yeah, before, throw these out. No, I, look, I haven't really looked at them. What about a reunion with LaMarcus Aldridge?
1: I love it. I've been screaming that forever. <laughs> I love LaMarcus. And, like, I know that people – or get really emotional when LaMarcus's name comes up and the whole, like, oh, he abandoned us, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't care about any of that. He From what I've heard or read, it sounds like he wants to eventually come back or come back now. Um, there, were, there were rumors, what, like last year, two years ago, that he was telling Dame to tell Shea to trade for him. Um, yep. I would love LaMarcus to come back because he's a guy who, it sounds like he's totally fine with being the second or third fiddle um, at his position, what's great about LaMarcus and there's a few guys like this in the NBA, is that his game is not predicated on athleticism. He's got that high release jump shot where he jumps like two inches off the ground and he can knock that down all day. And he, he's got good length on defense. So him next to Nurk on defense, um, I think it'd be great. I would love a reading game with LaMarcus Aldridge.
0: Yeah. It's too bad. He's had kind of a, a bit of a slip defensively this year, but I mean, look, the dude is you know, 34 and change, so it's to be expected.
1: Yeah, and who is he playing next to? I mean, if he, I agree that he's had a slip defensively, but you put him next to Nurkic, and oh, man, I think that that would be deadly, because then he's got Nurkic as like an anchor.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think that'd be a great fit. I have, I have no issues with that at all. Um, one more name to throw out. Again, another familiar name that's come up. What about Blake Griffin? Any interest there?
1: Uh, the injuries really scare me and what you would have to give up to get him. I think the fans would obviously love him, the fans love everyone that we bring in. I mean, let's be honest. Like, literally anyone we bring
0: in, the fans are obsessed with. We, we um, ended up loving Carmelo Anthony, and I mean, wow. I, yeah, I, I didn't see I that know. coming.
1: Exactly. Um, of the three, I would lean towards... Or the four, I guess, because Aaron Gordon, Kevin Love, Lamarcus, and Blake Griffin. If I had to rank those, I would go Lamarcus, Aaron Gordon, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love. And Kevin Love, like, way down the list. I, I just have no interest in Kevin Love. But Blake, yeah, I mean, it's weird because he's had injury issues his pretty much his whole career, especially in Detroit. And I've always felt in Detroit, like, it just doesn't seem like he's ever really wanted to be there. And, like,
0: I feel well, I mean, like can Portland, you
1: Can you blame him? I mean, no, you yeah. cannot blame him. And with Portland, it's like that's a destination because, like, we have good players. And I think coming out of Detroit, I think he would be appreciative of a lot of places that maybe he wouldn't normally be. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. But then again, like, what do you have to give up to get him? Because that, here's, here's the issue. And you mentioned you touched on this. We have expiring contracts. So we can trade expiring contracts to bad teams. But like you mentioned, Bad teams or small markets like Portland cannot sign free agents, and this year is especially a bad free agent market. So, if you're a bad team, why do you want to bring in an expiring contract, knowing that, like, what? If I sign anyone, I'm going to have to overpay someone, like just like the Blazers overpaid Evan Turner that in 2016 because it's the only way we can get free agents is if you overpay them.
0: Yeah, it's true. That I mean, that's unfortunately being in this market. That's kind of the way it works, right? Is that you have Mm -hmm. to pay, you know. One hundred and ten cents on the dollar to get someone here. Um, if you're going to try to learn free agency, so it's going to be trades. I mean, if it were me, I don't mind any of those moves, really. I mean, the the whole thing about Zach Collins's development. If you do think about Lamarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin or Kevin Love, either they're a little bit older or they will be injured to the point where Zach Collins can still get plenty of minutes off the bench if that's going to be his role. And if they get injured, hey, you have like a starter level power forward. there waiting in the wings. Aaron Gordon, I'm not as sure about. The, the Aaron Gordon thing would be, can Coach Stotts and Damian Lillard tease out some consistency and talent like they have with players in the past, like with Aminu and with Harkless and with others, and make him better than he's showed so far in his career, which is possible. Um, I, I do want to talk about the Blazers as a team, but one more kind of question about about the injury and how it affects the team. There's a question here from Leal at the Blazers fan. It's kind of a long one, but let me let me spit it out and then get your get your response. Uh, from the hood injury, silver lining, is this the year that we have to suffer to get a championship? Everyone comes back healthy next year, appreciating this team organization where they're at in life. We play that much harder after adding a big piece with our cap space. Think about it. Nurk and Hood have gruesome injuries. Mello had one foot out of the league. Zach gets a chance maybe to start after missing a season. And maybe our young guys develop. Just a thought. Gotta stay positive. What do you think? Could this be a gap year to vault the Blazers into legitimate title contention? Is that and any like kind of in your thinking at all is that possible
1: um yeah i mean the one bit and we just touched on it about adding a legitimate piece of the cap space don't expect that again i mean even though she's at the point where he admits that we can't sign free agents so like don't expect that um
0: yeah i mean it could More i mean via i don't trade i would i would kind of sneak he, he, they didn't say that but like a big oh, piece either... I, I, thought, I thought you said cap space but yeah no, no, yeah. no they so, did it, they said cap space yeah. but i am now editorializing either cap space or trade well, and it is, it's it, uh, the point taken with,
1: um, we can absorb contracts coming in that have they, So we have two expiring contracts that will give us cap space, but if we trade for a guy that's got three years left on a the deal, then yeah, then we're using that cap space. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to come down to finding a team at the deadline who is not playing as well as they thought they were. And they've got a piece or two, you know, there's a couple of guys out there that just they're willing to part ways with, you know, um, to title contention, it's tough. I mean, I think last year making the Western conference finals put a weird tint over a lot of fans eyes where like we, if you step back and look at it, we got, we got lucky with Anthony Simons going off in the last game of the season to get us the seed that we got played great against the thunder in Denver coming back and winning the seven game series against Denver. But like, if we would have had the other seed, we would have played the Warriors in the second round. and got swept. So like, Yeah, we made the Western Conference Finals and played pretty well against Golden State for three of the games um, before losing, you know, getting swept. But I I don't. Yeah, it's the pieces are going to be interesting. I do think the piece about the the younger guys developing more is big. Nurt coming back is going to be huge. I think defensively he's going to help so much. So, yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: Obviously, and hopefully the biggest thing I'm looking for, I'm hoping that Nurkic will come back just as strong. And the good news is that for the closest corollary to the injury he suffered, was Paul George, who came back and, you know, was playing at an MVP level. So that's that's good Uh news for that kind of injury. Uh, Actually, there was one more question here. Uh, It sort of bridges the gap between the injury and the Blazers getting back on track just in general with their schedule. It's from Stay Mellow, Blazers in 5, at Justin B. Leak. Blazer fandom is quite used to letdowns and setbacks, be it tragic injury or otherwise. For me, the love of basketball and rooting for our guys through the rough times makes the successes that much sweeter. What do you do to stay positive and keep the fun going during times like this? It's a great question. Evan, what do you do to keep it going? Uh,
1: so I yeah I look for little things um, to have fun with. Like the whole mellow thing wasn't necessarily a little thing, but I was excited to be like, my whole thing is for teams that I like, like the blazers either be good or be bad and be weird and funny, like make it interesting for me. Cause I'm going to watch every game regardless. Just don't be boring. Um, So that it's that. And then I've done a really good job for as a sports fan of being able to remove myself and not be like a crazy sports fan. Where like, I, this is all entertainment to me and I love watching every game and I'm a huge blazer fan, but like, I'm not the type of person where a loss is going to ruin my weekend or a day like I can com- com- compartmentalize kind of what's going on in life. And you know life is we have everyone has so much going on in their life and and watching and being a blazer fan is a part of it. But you know, I oh, see man. some of these I see some of these tweets from people online where like they literally like I worry, like, are you going to be ok? I, like, uh... this, this is just enter- it's entertainment. like let's just enjoy it. the the good and the bad. like like that gentleman said about like, you know, rooting for them during the hard times to make the success much sweeter. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah,
0: I, I just think it's funny that you bring up the people who take it too seriously. And sometimes I am that person to be completely honest. But I was talking to my colleague about we both had childhoods in which our parents took sports too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a, a huge bummer, actually. I mean, I, I remember... There were days when it was like if the Blazers won, my dad was in an awesome mood. And if they lost, uh, that night was gonna suck. Um yeah. So yeah, don't be that person. Uh for me, what what keeps it interesting is watching the players who get a chance to step up, like thinking about how can Simons do? How can Asir Little do? Uh, how can Gary Trent Jr. do with these injuries and these opportunities? For me, that makes it fun. And you get mm-hmm. to see people who don't normally get to play. Um, but yeah, it's just you know it's it's tough and and for the Blazers they're gonna they're obviously gonna miss Rodney Hood uh, I will say and here's my my weak attempt at a transition uh, they started five and twelve they're now nine and fourteen uh, so they've gone four and two in their last six games and they've lost to the Clippers and the Lakers so they're not really beating good teams but. And as you and I talked about a little bit before we started recording, here are their next eight games. They're playing the Thunder, Knicks, Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Magic, Wolves, Pelicans. Only two of those games on the road. And only one of those teams, the Nuggets, are over 500. So uh, Blazers 9 and 14 only have one game in their next eight against a team over 500 and only two games on the road. Is it possible that the Blazers can get to right around 500 in these next eight games
1: yeah i mean on paper obviously you would think so it, 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 it's the one variable is we don't know how they're going to react to the rodney hood injury um if rodney hood were healthy then i would say yeah for sure um it's we yeah i mean this season has been where you mentioned we're nine were we nine and 13 or nine and 14 nine, uh, nine and
0: 14 i think uh well i got it right here i think yeah, I they're do. nine and 14
1: 9 and 14, I was looking at it. Uh, 9 and 14, we have one win against a team uh, with a winning record. Then, do you know who that team was?
0: I don't remember. Who was it? Dallas
1: Mavericks, who are oh, playing yeah. insanely well right now. So that's the only win we have against a team with a winning record.
0: That was a good win.
1: Which, it is a good win.
0: I mean, but that's the thing is that they're only playing one team over 500 in the next eight games. So I think what what per- so we <laughs> might can, be perfect. We
1: can definitely. So if, to get to 500 after eight games, you'd have to obviously if we went, uh, so we're nine and 14, you would have to go, if you went that, you'd have to go seven and six and two, seven, seven and one would get you above 500. So that, that's, that could be tough because you're, you're nine and 14. If you get seven wins, you're at 16 and lose one you're at 15. So I, maybe not, maybe if they went, yeah, if they went six and five, if they went five and three over the eight game game spread, I would consider that a huge W a winning record over that eight games would be great, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's a more realistic target to put, not to get to 500, but just to play over 500 during that time. Exactly. It's also true, though, that this team has a habit of going on these weird hot streaks at odd times, and it's happened in seasons when they didn't have a lot of talent. I mean, you think back to the season after LaMarcus left, and they were supposed to be a lottery team, and wasn't that the year they won 13 straight So it's it's not like they had a ton of talent doing that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's these next. So here, here's what I'll say. If the blazers don't go significantly over 500 in those eight games. So if they don't play, you know, like you said, if they, if they don't go five and three or better, basically in those eight games, Mm -hmm. uh, this season is in serious, serious jeopardy of being lost, even with the bottom of the West being as bad as it is. But uh i have faith i have hope um are there yeah, any? You want, we,
1: want, we want to talk silver linings that's let's get in, let's get simon's in uh, some minutes i would love that like coming into this season it we none of us in, in the team basically i don't know if they admitted this but it was known that science or excuse me uh nasir, nasir little wasn't going to play at all basically so now this is a good opportunity to, like get that kid just a ton of minutes just give him 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. we were, you know, we used to say the same thing about Zach Collins, right? Last year, we're like give the guy minutes, just let, him, just the difference being last year, we were good. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it's gonna be a good opportunity to get him minutes to see what he's about. And then Simon's obviously is going to get minutes regardless, um, but he needs, obviously, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, good first 10 games, not so great last 13 games, which is going to happen when you're 20 years old and finally playing and getting uh, consistent minutes. So he's just got to play through it. And I'm excited to see him play through it and how he re- he reacts.
0: So am I. And like you said, it's basically his rookie season. Uh, and to the point about, you know, we've talked about a little bit, but just one more because we got a later question that got snuck in here from Dr. Funkenstein at Dr. Funk says.
1: Yeah, Doug. <laughs> who,
0: who would you rather see get the most minutes after Rodney Hood's injury? And the three they shout out are between Nasir Little Kent Bazemore and Mario Hazonia of those three, oh. who'd like to see play the most?
1: Nasir Little, for Me sure. Too.
0: Yeah, I'm with you for,
1: for sure.
0: I mean, and, and and by the way, even though Nasir Little is he's shooting pretty horribly from deep, uh, ooh, under twenty percent, uh, he's willing to take them, which is good to see. He's gonna make them at some point, and he's nineteen. You know, I mean, he's got uh, so much time, and I just appreciate the thing I appreciate about Nasir Little, which I'm definitely not the only one. He plays with such effort and such care i mean that kind of thing is actually really important especially for a team that's down talent to play Mm -hmm. like you give a shit is super important and that's something he brings uh so yeah i'm with yeah yeah i had a
1: tweet the other day where i i was thinking about it like you know he gets his stints when he plays and um i was oh sorry a little video came up uh so he gets his little stints and i was like he's you watch him play in these chunks of time and I'm like, he's never really had bad minutes given bad minutes where you're like, Oh God, get him off the floor. Um, so that's been good. The thing I love about him and it's the same thing with that Collins and Anthony Simons is none of them are scared, which I love. And I think as blazer fans, we were hesitant because that was like, and I love the guy, but Myers, that was the thing with Myers, right? Like he looks scared and not confident all the time. Yep. And like, So whenever we got these new guys coming in, it's like, Oh God, are they going to also be like that? And those three guys are not, they are very confident. Like Zach Collins is so, so confident and just not afraid. You know, when he's chasing clay Thompson down the floor, yelling at him after blocking a shot, like he doesn't care. And I love it.
0: It's so important for professional sports to, I mean, you talk about so many different ways of saying it, having a short memory when you lose it, when you miss a shot or acting like you've been there before, but being able to stay in the moment and not worry about how well or poorly you're playing is so important in professional sports. And, you know, not to harp too much on Myers Leonard, who, you know, I think by all accounts is having a, a pretty decent season there in Miami and having a good time doing it. You're right. It was just evident on his face that he was thinking and he was concerned about when he wasn't doing well. And then when he did do well, he would get overhyped. And and just to see uh, young players on the Blazers play like it, like whether it goes in or out, it doesn't matter. It makes a huge difference. Um, yeah. And it's going to be yeah. exciting to see them moving forward. Uh, with
1: myers with myers uh to make up because i had unkind tweets from way back in the day but i've totally come around on myers while he was still at the blazers i i have to how-
0: i was blocked by him for many years <laughs> really? yeah
1: so my thing to make up for it your boy before it sold out i did buy the miami vice myers leonard's jersey it's in the Dude. mail or it's coming yeah it's coming
0: that's they have awesome. to, like make it so, uh, is it and again, the, I don't the, think... teal, the teal yeah. primary? Color. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, those are sick by the way. Those are dope. So yeah, the Miami heat store
1: was like eleven, twelve Eastern. We're going to go live with them, which is like, come on, which 11 o'clock my time. And during the week I go to bed kind of early, but like I set my alarm to make sure got in there, bought it. And then like the next day or two days later, I went to go see if you could order one. And they were like, you can only buy like either Dwayne Wade or someone else. And that was it.
0: By the way, speaking of that teal color, uh you tweeted out a picture of yourself wearing a fucking awesome outfit. You had the oh. you had the 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 sugar G Dame Five colorways, and you had the teal shirt, you had the teal accent jacket. And then beyond that, I, I'm looking at this picture of your room. Is is this your room? You have the shoes up like displayed on the wall, professional-like.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I do. Like I started collecting started buying sneakers more seriously, probably like three or four years ago. And yeah, when I came down here in, shout out to Shea Serrano, who I'm sure is a, a big listener of the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> in his, so in, I noticed in his office, he has like these wood panels where he put a, a few shoes and I thought it was really cool. And like, I didn't know where to find like something like that. So I like Googled like just like a uh, shelving wood panel. And then I, the ones that you're looking at came up, I think target that tart on target. And I was like, that's really cool. So I bought six of them and I rotate them out, but they're typically like my six, either rare or more expensive ones that I put up They're They're all, all of them right now are Jordans, but um, yeah, it's fun. It's, and I've still, you know, I've been trying to chill out on buying the shoes, but it, you know, I'm uh, susceptible to seeing a good deal and jumping on it.
0: <laughs> uh, I can also, I have those same, uh, the, the, the sugar G Dame five colorways, not only mm-hmm. they look awesome, they perform really well on court. Um, oh, so you've played in them. Yeah. And that's the that's thing. Awesome. Yeah. It, I mean, I will say it's like, it kind of, it's too bad because I, I both try to keep them clean and I also mm-hmm. play in them, which is kind of hard to do both at the same time. Um, yeah. but they're, they're great shoes. Uh, yeah, it's a sick setup. I dig that quite a bit. Um, all right. Well, with that, I mean, are there any closing thoughts or like parting shots with uh, kind of where the Blazers are now and the stretch they're going into anything that comes to mind? Or do you think we pretty much covered it?
1: No, I think so. I mean, to fans that are listening, the ones that overreact, like just chill out, enjoy the ride. Like literally think of this as entertainment. Enjoy it. You take the good times with the good, the bad with the bad, laugh off the bad stuff like don't. And I've seen stuff like don't go into players tweets and talk shit to them or coaches like just chill out with all that stuff this is entertainment they're there to entertain us we all have lives outside of this keep that in mind also can i uh i have a few things coming up can i promote a few things
0: yeah definitely yes
1: so uh we kind of touched on the top i'm from portland oregon born and raised from portland moved to new orleans for a job opportunity literally a year ago like my year anniversary was just like last week um So I do Evan M I'm an artist and I do Portland based t-shirts. It's kind of slowed down a little bit since I moved down here with a new job because I've been so busy, but I do have an Anthony Simon shirt coming out in January. Um, The plan right now where I'm working on it and I don't want to go into too many details because it's being ironed out, but I'm hoping to have January 31st, which is the Blazers are playing at the Lakers. So having a viewing party pop up where the shirts will be available. Um, nice details are coming. I'm still working on the design, but I've already contacted my printer in Portland. So it's, it's great for me. So I'm going to fly from new Orleans to Portland. Um, I have a printer that I used to use in Portland. who's excited. I haven't done work with him in a little while, but he's like, yeah, fly in. We'll have the shirts ready for you. And, uh, I could have them available there. I'm also for that, uh, pop-up party. I'm planning and hoping to have a really awesome new Carmelo print. I'm working
0: on. Nice, yeah. Dude, uh, let me know if you need any like help with anything or just promotion or whatever donations or I'm definitely buying a few of those. Uh, oh, I mean, if sure. listeners should know that I have bought your stuff over the years. Oh yeah. um, and Big actually, <laughs> one of my one of my funnier moments kind of just walking down the street one day in downtown Portland. I was wearing the um, Dame to be coming up clutch shirt, mm-hmm. which is modeled after the the Dare. To keep kids off drugs, I was walking down. True story. Walking down the street with that shirt on, and I walked by this younger couple, probably in their early twenties, and they very clearly did like a double, triple take, and then started <laughs> chuckling at me. Um, uh-huh. And as they passed, they mentioned something like, uh, "I forget what they said, but they said something about dare and like what bullshit." And I so said, "I turned around like, wait, wait, wait," and they turned around, kind of surprised, me like, "Like, take a closer look." And they mm-hmm. look at it, and then they both bust up laughing. They thought I was actually wearing a dare shirt, um, <laughs> so I had to tell them how it was. Uh, it was it was funny. We had a good conversation about it. But yeah. um shout out to
1: Jason Cobb. It was his idea. I uh, Jason Cobb is an, an awesome individual. I used to work with years ago at Jet Sports, which are some of the in in the Portland area, some like stores that sell like jerseys and hats and all that. And one day randomly hit me up, and he was just like, wrote me a DM. He's like do the dare shirt with dame and that's all he said and i was like oh my god (laughs) and then i was and then i was like dude i mean you've made shirts before like i don't want to like take your idea and he's like no no no." he's like i want you to do it and i was like all right well i'll do it so shout out to jason my man and when i tweet the link out to this podcast i'm sure he'll listen because he's a really good
0: guy so nice shout out that's rad uh well heck yeah dude if people wanted to connect with you on twitter like what's your twitter handle it's the best way to get in touch with you and your website and all that
1: yeah, so website's evanem.com and it's spelled E-V-A-N-E-M um, kind of like Eminem. people give me shit but also my initials are E-M so it's like Evan E-M um, PDX is my Twitter handle you can find me there also Instagram PDX, where I post a lot of like updates on art and prints and stuff like that so those are the two best ways to find me on social and then again evanem.com for the website So you can go look at some previous stuff Go look at a lot of cool shirts that are sold out that you can't buy. And I get hit up on Twitter all the time asking if I'm going to reprint it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And they're like, oh, if you reprint it, I'll buy it. And yeah. You go look at that too.
0: Christmas is coming up. Uh... I know. I know. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Anytime you need a guest, let me know because I love talking blazers.
0: Thank You again so much to Evan McCarthy. Evan M. You can again find his work at EvanM.com and hang out with him on Twitter at EvanMPDX. PDX. Uh, and obviously, look for that pop up uh, uh, shirt party in January, it's gonna be a ton of fun. And thank you all for your questions and comments on Twitter. That was like the most robust response that we've gotten in the history of the podcast. I really appreciate that. Uh, another thing that I'd appreciate if you want to reach out to us at I Like the Blazers on Twitter and Facebook I Like the Blazers at gmail.com uh, but the thing that would help the most if you're able to, if you have time uh, is to please give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or however you get your podcast because those reviews and those ratings help so other people can see the show and that would really, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's, it kind of an inconvenience, it's sort of a hassle but it makes a huge difference if you help with that that'd be rad uh and with that that's our episode for today until next time i am your host brandon goldner and go blazers